Episode 79, No Reviews, Just Analysis. I'm Aaron Myers, and my co-host, as always, is Andrea Shockling. Up this week, two comics from April 8th, 2015, Birthright number 6 and Saga number 27. In between segments, listen to another second opinion, and just as a reminder, we never do reviews, but we do talk a lot, so there may be spoilers ahead. Why did you sound so surprised when you said episode 79? Um, it's just that seems like a really long time. It has been a really long time. Welcome to Comics Therapy. Neither Aaron nor I are licensed therapists, so don't take anything we say seriously. This week, we're talking about the complex ties that bind us to our families, that drive us to the ends of the earth, galaxy, dimension, whatever, and how sometimes our memory of those once close relationships is warped over the years that we spend apart, parent to child, sibling to sibling. What we had isn't always what we will have, but we keep on searching for it. Greetings, comic therapists. This is Roderick Ruth, at Roderick Ruth on Twitter. Andrea's been trying to get me to do one of these since it first started, and since she's the sweetest person in the world, I finally got around to it. So, first comic book. Well, I used to troll the spinner racks and pick up some random detective comics or X-Men titles from my local grocery store. Just to look at the pretty pictures, but my first memorable comic was when my father signed me up for a comic book subscription that got delivered to our house from Marvel, and that comic book was Amazing Spider-Man 353. This kicked off the Round Robin event, which featured guest stars that went on this journey with Spider-Man, like Darkhawk, Nova, Night Thrasher, Moon Knight, Punisher. Um, this comic book started my fascination and love for a Mark Bagley-drawn Spider-Man as well, as well as my uh, later enamorment with said characters like the New Warriors, Punisher, and Moon Knight. The foundation built here undoubtedly had an influence as to which comics I gravitated towards during adolescence and post-adolescence. This is why Richard Ryder will always be my Nova, and while I'll always have a soft spot for the Alfred-esque sidekick assistant characters behind the scenes like Microchip and Frenchie. Each episode, in between comic segments, you'll hear one listener answering a series of questions, sharing his or her favorite comics, creators, and more. We call it a second opinion. If you'd like to play along at home, you can leave your own response to us to use on a future show. The prompts are on the website, comicstherapy.com, and you can call, Skype, or email your MP3, WAV file, or Gvobis, uh, MIDI, MIDI. What, what was that? In between... Wave file and MIDI. What what did you say? Org Vobis. What what is that? That's a that's a file format. When when was that a file format? Like nineteen ninety one to now. Okay, keep going. 
FLAC. Ooh, FLAC's a good format, too. Uh-huh. Lossless, you know. Um, AAC, MP4. Are you done? Yep. Remember to read your comics responsibly, kids, and always get a second opinion. Print or digital, I go print. There's an exclusive ritual that I feel I get to be a part of when I venture down to the comic shop on Wednesdays. In Connecticut, Rogue Comics was my shop, and the owner, Mike, and the gang would all talk shop about what's going on in comics. What's wrong, what's right, what's cool, what isn't, and everything in between. Um, And it was nice to get that uncensored reaction and response from people and have fun with it. Now that I'm in Dallas, Jake takes care of me at uh, his shop at Awesome Comics, where I get a 20% discount on all my comics for having a subscription file. So with that said, not only do I get the tactile response and experience from reading my comics, as well as bag and board them and showcase them on my wall, but they also are literally cheaper than getting them digitally on Wednesday. And with that said, digital is great to have if you're traveling long distances. So I keep my eye on sales. In between shows, you can find me on Twitter, at Andrea Shock and Aaron at Aaron Myers. The show account is at Comics Therapy. Hi, Aaron. I missed you. Hi. Hello. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, a lot of people were speculating that you, you were, you know, you'd been killed off from the, the series. Really? Because um, I did a show back. more recently than you did. Yeah, but that was like, you know, considered like your final appearance. No. It was sort no. of like one of those special annual issues. Definitely not. As a matter of fact, the speculation that I came across more often was you were going to be out and Avi was going to be in. Oh, that's fine. I mean, I still get revenue from the show one way or the other. <laughs> revenue. You're hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are. We're back again. Same as we always been. Uh, how was your Emerald City Comic Con? I had fun. It was That is a big convention. Uh, yes, it was. The biggest that you've ever been to, probably? Yeah. I would say it's the biggest comic convention I've ever been to, because... San Diego. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It's not the same. That's sure. an exclusionary type. Yes. Which I found the first day to be very overwhelming, almost like like a bumpkin in the big city. <laughs> You're adorable. Well, cuz it's it's three times the size of any of the Portland shows. Right. And and the way my one kind of head scratcher and I I kind of understand why they did it, but Having Artist Alley broken up into two halves that are on other sides of the convention floor was confusing. So you mentioned that, and somebody else mentioned that, but like I went into it and have for the past three years thinking that that's actually not the worst thing. That it forces you to go to more than one place and you see more of the floor rather than being in one area and thinking, okay, this is it. Like, no, these other people that I want to see are over here. Oh, holy shit, there's all of this other stuff over here. I'm also sure. more familiar with the layout because I've, I've been there for a number of years. So right, right. I wasn't intimidated by that. It was definitely more crowded. Like, whoa, so much more crowded. And that's going to be pretty interesting moving forward. They're going to go to four full days now. So hopefully that will alleviate some of the like intensity of moving throughout the space and all of the people but yeah yeah that's the problem like if it's a if it's a sparsely attended convention having people kind of forced to move back and forth is good for Mm -hmm. traffic but you know for us like kind of true comics fans who have like their cart full of stuff that they're they brought with them i'm sorry (laughs) let's go back you are such a dork with your little cart i can't i can't even handle that 
True yeah. comics fan? Uh-huh. Uh, What's the problem? <laughs> nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah, I had all the stuff I wanted to get signed you and did. spaced uh, for things that I purchased. Like, <laughs> I wasn't just, like, hanging out and going, like, oh, we're, yeah, I'll follow you there. I don't really know any of these people. I'll just, I'll go with you. <laughs> like, you know, I had, I had an agenda. I had things to do. And, you like, did. having to walk back and forth across the big convention center, you know, to get things done is really a hindrance to, you know, a real comics fan at a convention. Right, right. So, mm-hmm. did you have a good time? I did. It was fun. We got to meet people. We did. I was social. You were. You were social two nights in a row. Mm-hmm. There's it's photographic true. evidence of how social you were. Mm-hmm. And how tired I was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that was impressive, right? Yeah. Nah, you did good. I'm yeah. super proud yeah. of you. I'm really proud of me, too. What was the best thing that you brought home from Emerald City? Um... I mean, always like the things that stand out are like any kind of art that you get. Right. So I know um, some of the things that you picked up. What sure. I, in fact, if you want to take a category of thing as opposed to a single item to quickly share, you can do so now. I will say, let's say um, commissions. Okay. Elaborate. So I got two commissions of while I was there of Rom Space Knight. From whom? He's, he's a. A He's a robot. Character. Yeah, we we know, we know. Oh it's fine. Who are um, the artists? Uh, one was Dennis Culver, former guest of the show. Yes. And one was Chris Visions, future guest of the show. Yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so those were my commissions I got, and I bought an original just art page, not from a book. It's just a, a pinup from Ray Fox of Batman. Yeah, that was pretty rad. Uh-huh. And my wife got a sketched um, hardcover of Manhattan Projects Volume 1 from Nick Batara. That was one of the absolute best highlights of the show. That is, but that's more of a highlight for her than it is for me. Yeah, but the experience of what Nick did for you, for Chrissy, was just so fucking rad. It yes. was the best. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. He is a good comics person. He is. He, he is. He will go to comics heaven. <laughs> He's earned entry. <laughs> I'm glad that you had a good time. I was worried about you. Yeah, and it's crazy because now I don't have any money, and there are two <laughs> more conventions coming up in the next two, next two weeks. <laughs> what's what's in the coming weeks for you? This coming weekend for when the show will be out is a local convention up in Salem, which is like an hour north of Eugene, mm-hmm. called Cherry City Comic Con. Okay. Um, this is the second year, but... We're actually going to go as a whole family. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, because it's, it's a much smaller convention. I think it's um, definitely a lot more like cosplay focused and and that, that sort of thing, like meant to be more family friendly. That's exquisite. Um, with a lot of like local creator people. So um, That's great. Yeah, so and then gonna, we'll do that for work. a few hours. Yep, and then line work the week after that. Which is like the 18th, 19th, right? Um, yes, that is correct. Same weekend as Big Wow in San Jose, I believe. Hmm. I'm only going to be able to go up on Sunday for line work, but we'll see what kind of comics I can sell on eBay to pay for that. Because <laughs> looking just at the the list of people at that, it's like, oh, I want to get something from everyone here. And that <laughs> but will not... when do you not think that? 
No, it's true. But line work, especially, like I really like being able to talk to you know independent creators, especially in like Portland, which is just a ton, right? And see what they're working on, get stuff directly from them. There's like right. just a ton. I just someone had to go and spend all his money at Emerald City on beer and funyuns and, and commissions. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It was a good trip. Yeah. So. Also, the weather yeah. in Seattle was shockingly gorgeous the whole time we were there yeah i lucked out like i didn't think about having a hotel that was half a mile away was fine because the weather was nice right if it had been raining that would have not been great right but we we lucked out and i learned more about the convention and i know what to do for next year plus you learn more about all of our friends it's true it was great actually meeting people i mean you know for like a day and a half that's done i'm done that dude that's like about as much as you can handle with any of us so yeah that is true that's why i left early sunday morning yes my my social social interaction tank was full when did i reach my capacity of you like was that like friday afternoon friday yeah friday afternoon what time did you get in friday afternoon yeah right okay Mm -hmm. cool no it was good (laughs) um what else did you do because it's been like what a month and a half uh, it's been two weeks, but, mm. uh, in between now and Emerald City, I also went to New York. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know if you knew that I was going to do that. I may have I, mentioned it. Yeah, I don't really pay attention to your... Right. Right. Yes. Nope. I went to New York and it was fucking awesome. Tell also, the it. weather was like super spectacular there as well. I mean, oh. it was cold, but it was not rainy and gross. So, that was pleasant. Wherever you go, you bring sunshine, happiness? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you said that, not me. That makes it real. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, and I you went... Didn't, and you didn't do any comic stuff while you were there? That's not true. I did a lot of comic stuff when I was there. Mm, like what? So, I went to see Fun Home on Broadway, which is the adaptation of Alison Bechtel's graphic novel, Fun Home. And that was... Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, you may have. I mean, it it won, like, a fucking huge number of awards. And, like, she got a MacArthur Genius Award recently. And, like, you know, kind of a big deal. It was nominated for a Pulitzer. It's fine. Whatever. Mm -hmm. So... It's it's kind of interesting. It's musical theater. Can you can you handle me talking about musical theater for a minute? Well, I'm just going to send some tweets out so you can talk and just let okay. me when you're done. Cool. So, I went to see Fun Home with Conrad, who also had read the book beforehand. And we had a really interesting conversation afterwards about the characterization of the parents. Have you read the book? I have not. Oh, God. What is the point of me talking about this then? on many levels i don't even know oh god i hate you so much it's possible that other people actually might listen to this i don't i don't think we're just doing this for ourselves Mm -hmm. got it so So you can continue i can pretend oh yeah i've read it it's really it's it's intense like it's my turn to talk now emotional you're ruining everything okay go ahead here's my takeaway about fun home first of all it's presented in the round which is like super fun for a musical and and that's like shakespeare right are you going to let me talk or are you just going to keep interrupting and being pithy? I was just asking a question. Uh, what was your question? What's in the round? Uh, audience on all sides of the oh. playing area. So it's not a sex thing. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> it's not a sex thing. It's fairly contemporary 
in terms of musical theater to be presented that way. And in startling contrast to the other show that we saw that weekend, which was a classic, uh, like Leonard Bernstein musical in proscenium called On the Town, which was also really super fun, but very, very different. The thing about Fun Home is that, and bear with me because I'm going to like wax philosophical about theater here for like two minutes. But when you, when you read a graphic novel, you have this like visual depiction of the characters and it's a very emotional connection because you see the body language and you see them interacting uh, like in a very physical, very visceral way with one another. But it's not like a, a movie adaptation where you have a, an actor in mind. But yet you, you do have something more than just reading prose. And so Conrad and I both had a very strong sense of what the mother and father should be like. And the characterization is different, not bad, but different in the musical. There are choices about the, I don't know, about the way that the relationships are presented that probably makes it a little bit more like universal or more approachable and definitely easier to present on stage than in like the hundreds of pages that you might have access to in a graphic novel. But that change was like a little bit jarring. And I felt like there were some moments and like missed opportunities with with the relationships of like the character of Allison and the character of of her mother and father that did like didn't get translated. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Do you care at all? No, I do. Um, I mean, not a ton. He, yeah, right. But here's here's the the like the flip side of that is that friends who have seen the musical who have not read the graphic novel or who have read it after the fact loved the show just infinitely more. Like the show itself is really exquisite. There are some like some fantastic things happening in it. But, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually think that that going into it blind is better than going into it having read the graphic novel first. I would say for any TV movie or stage adaptation, that is almost always true. Really? Yeah, there's rarely anything that if I love the source material, it does not color or or make the adaptation of it for, you know, for live media, good. Can you think of an example where you felt like, man, see, I like to have a lot of information ahead of time if it is coming from another source. Oh God, not me. Like if, if, if it's from a, if it's from a book, I want to, I want to have read the book first. Yeah. That is like, that's the opposite of what I, I, would I know. But do. like Aaron, nobody on the planet is surprised that you and I have different opinions about this. Yeah. But why would you, you're, you're going there to see a movie. All you can do is ruin it for you, yourself by reading the, the book or the, the comic or seeing, you know, wherever it came from first, okay. do it, do it afterwards. That's fine. But you're, you're just tainting your your expectations and your perception of whatever you're going to go see by doing that. I don't, I don't think so. And I don't think so because in this case, we're talking about live theater. We're not talking about a movie. And so it's inherently a different experience that is like all encompassing in a way that a movie never will be. 
there are things that you cannot do in theater that you can do in a movie in terms of adaptation and in terms of like setting and perspective and all of that stuff that I feel like like you you want to have the like emotional touchstone of the original source material especially with a book like Fun Home which is just it's so powerful and the the journey and the question of the the of what like what Allison is dealing with in the aftermath of her father's death and like her personal identity is like it's the whole fucking point so i i think watching it on stage having that informing the experience was like really important it just meant that i came out of it saying huh there are some things that i would have done differently but that's that's an okay question or that's an okay response to have it doesn't doesn't mean I didn't like it. I, I really enjoyed it. But it did mean that the conversation that we had afterwards was different, like between Conrad and I, as opposed to between like my friend Liz, who had not read it, but has seen the production. Like the conversation that the three of us had afterwards was, I thought it was kind of fascinating because she had a different perspective. She has not read the book yet. That's all. That's all I wanted to say. That's fine. I think you're wrong. I would not, I like to go into things fresh. <laughs> a clear mind i don't i don't want anything to to taint it i mean it's just like any even even like the uh any like the avenger movies or anything based upon something where we read like those are a little easier for me because i'm i'm now used to separating the comics world from from the movie and tv world but, but that is very difficult because there are already actors associated with those roles. And like the, the actors themselves have been so influential with the way that the characters are being depicted now in the comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's, so they're, they're intertwined now. So it, they're it's fine. They're absolutely they intertwined. And if in it's, done, if it's done well, they don't, the, um, yeah, they don't override each other. Like Fun Home and the musical Fun Home don't have that relationship. They never will because it's a standalone moment in time and a like standalone experience on stage right that's why if i were inclined to see fun home the musical i would not want to read the book first okay are you inclined to see fun home the musical not even a little bit i hate you nope i had a really great time in new york aaron thanks for asking no i'm I'm glad to hear that. Are you are you back now? Can we do podcasts somewhat regularly? Yeah, I'm I'm back now. I'm sorry for being on vacation for the first time in years. No, it's well, I mean, for somebody who doesn't work, it's interesting that you would One say One of that. these days, that myth about me that you're perpetuating is going to come back and bite you in the ass, and I'm just going to laugh. <laughs> How is that coming back on me? I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm predicting. You said I didn't days, work for years. Now look at me. Here's a paycheck. I work really hard all the time. In fact, I got back from New York at like so late. Oh my God. I wanted to die. My last flight was just the worst. And I then opened the coffee shop the next morning on like two and a half hours of sleep because I'm that dedicated. <sighs> I'm a sick. pretty great person. Is really what like that's the that's what you should come away from all of this, knowing in your heart of hearts that I'm I'm pretty fucking awesome. We're all very impressed that your cross country vacation 
that you took two weeks off of your work from that you were able to come back and, and serve coffee to people in San Francisco who have too much money. I'm going to edit all of that out because you sound like an asshole. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. It also makes it sound like that's all I do, which is not <laughs> true at all. Well, prove us wrong. Okay. You want to talk about our first book then? We can. I mean, I guess you probably don't want to hear anything more about my awesome trip. Oh, God. There's more? Oh, there's so much more. It's super great. Why don't you just save it for next week or something then? Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Okay. Or, you know, put it on your live journal and just link to it. I hate you. Our first book this week. Our first book this week. Are you sure? Our first book this week. One more time for safety. My favorite current series right now is Copperhead from Image Comics. Jay Faber and Scott Godlewski are crafting the wittiest and smartest space western that I've had the pleasure of enjoying in quite some time. Not only is Sheriff Clara the best, but uh, her reluctant deputy, Boudroxafinicus, a.k.a. Boo, is just one of my favorites. It's enjoyable. Our first book this week is Birthright Number 6, written by Joshua Williamson and drawn by Andre Bresson. Coloring is by Adriano Lucas, and lettering is by Pat Broussel. Birthright is published by Skybound, a division of Image Comics. Mikey was just a kid when he stepped into another realm, leaving his brother Brennan and his parents behind. It splintered his family apart. His father, accused of foul play and the disappearance of his son, started drinking heavily. His mother filed for divorce, and Brennan couldn't let go. So when Mikey reappeared, 20 years older... Heavily muscled and scarred and brandishing weapons like something out of Conan, it was understandably a giant clusterfuck for the family and the authorities alike, because it's only been a year for them. Now Mikey and Brennan are on the run, as Mikey tries to keep a dark secret from his brother in the hopes of just getting the family back together like they once were. Yeah. Yes! This is great! That sounds like a review. We don't do that. It's not a review. Know, it's a it's response. A it's okay. a response. Here's Here's why this book makes me think, and this is why we're talking about it this week, especially paired with Saga. The drive to like recreate once wh- what you once had with a relationship, with a, a family relationship especially, so that most of the time you, you actually can't, or, you, or you, you don't walk away from it the same way that you might uh, a more casual relationship. <clears throat> But the drive to like recreate the way that it was or to like be lost in your memory and your kind of false perception of the way that it was compared to where the way that it is now is something that I think that almost everybody can relate to. And sometimes it's just the result of growing up and people drifting apart and, and families having <clears throat> all of these different personalities that you have to kind of reconcile. But in this case, you have that growing up and that drifting, uh, like fast forwarded because of Mikey's disappearance. And, well, and yeah, it's, I mean, you have so many more factors here. You have somebody who's basically died from the family, was raised in a in a war. He's a warrior and comes back. You know, it's not the person who left. It's not the child who left. It's not. You, you almost don't have any tie to them. Exactly, and yet, in his mind. I mean, I understand he, like, he's lying to them. He's actually been uh, sort of half-possessed by this evil force that is 
is trying to take over the earth and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's all bad news bears. But, like, in his mind, he's still this little boy who who thinks that if he can just do these things, he can get back with his family. He can get back what he lost. And that's really sad. There's a, there's like a whole component of sympathy for him and his plight that I wasn't expecting to have. It's, it's one of those things, too, where in like real life situations where somebody has been kidnapped, a child was kidnapped in like the rare instances where they're, you know, found a decade later or something like that. I mean, I, I can't imagine how that reintegration goes. Like it, it goes back to those, like w- at what point do, because I think from a, as a society, like, sorry, there's a bunch of stuff going through my head, but as a society, we on one hand say like, family is something that is forever. It doesn't matter like what happens, you know, blood is thicker than water. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we're very quick to say like, well, your family isn't who gave birth to you. It's, it's who raised you. But like, you know, it's just this kind of, which, which one is it? I I would say it's more who raised you. Okay. And at, and at six or whatever, when he's, you know, taken, that's, he's disconnected from that family. Like he spent his life in growing up, not with the family he was born to. But he was still old enough to romanticize the memories that he had. And like, sure, but it had nothing to do with the reality of it. But, but that doesn't matter because we've already seen what we've already seen how he has changed the reality in his mind and how it has clearly influenced like every decision that he's made, like both from when he first shows up and he's like trying to run to get back and then like ultimately to the decision that he made to to like join forces with the 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 like evil god right in order to or because he was promised that if he helped him he could have his family back like the entire thing is based on this child's mis remembering or misperception of his like role in his family that's Mm. so sad and i think i think your your analogy about like a a kid being kidnapped and returned home Mm -hmm. is is like unfortunate and apt and and actually a a reality-based connection that i hadn't considered but that's that like actually makes it even and it's not like the character in in the book has had any sort of less traumatic experience than anyone in real life who's gone through those situations does. Too. Oh, certainly, certainly. Like even though it's very fantastical and and yeah. you know full of magic and fucking axes and shit like that, but uh, that that is definitely one of like one of my parental fears of like something just happening where you just lose a child and. Like, for you know, they just wander off or something happens and you just, like, that not being able to find them. You mean, it's... like, that moment of fear or or the, like, that what-if moment? Not even, no, the actual situation. Like, that is, like, one of those, like, c- continuously, you know, sort of nagging parental, I don't know, phobias. Right, but, like, is that, is that because... You think that when that happens, it's actually a sign of something worse? Like, say you lose sight of Luke or or Logan, 
at the park for mm-hmm. two minutes. And that, that two minutes of like disaster, worst case scenario thinking is, is the longest two minutes of your life. But is it because you're thinking that things are actually worse than they are? Is it because like you can't stop your mind from from going in the direction of worst case scenario or or what? Yeah, and in though in certain like um, parenting situations for sure. It's it's there's no there's no rationality to a lot of that. Hmm. Okay. I and understand not, that. And not because it happens often, just because it's drilled into us so much of like these nightmare scenarios where you lose sight of your child and they're taken away by some, you know, psychopath and God knows what happens to them. Or like they end up in another dimension and there's like dragons and shit. Yeah. But I hate also, when that also bad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But something like, you know, to go back to literature, like the, you know, the lovely bones. Do you ever Wait. read that? Oh, yes. Oh God, Aaron. Well, I mean, the, the reason that's so scary is because that kind of stuff happens often enough. Hmm. Okay. And that's what's so, you know, that's one of those, like, God, these little people who run around all the time, it's like, you can't take your eye off them. But, but you have to. Like, you, you have to be, you have to be trusting of both the little people, but also, okay. like, okay. all people. You have to be trusting of of society that like sometimes shit happens but most of the time shit doesn't happen like what do you want your kids to grow up and think that you're always going to be there five steps behind them just in case no but at at nine years old sure at four years old okay i mean fair enough because obviously my perspective with like an almost 10 year old is wildly different i don't remember that same level of intensity of like two minutes of panic because Avi spends more than two minutes out of my sight, like, all the time. I do think... Sure, yeah, especially once school starts. Sure. I do think that... I think there's a a, a trend, I don't know, like a, a sort of self-fulfilling prophecy that we've created where, like, we need to know where our kids are at all times so that when those two minutes occur, it's panic time instead of like, okay, let's be realistic about this. Let's be rational about this. It's probably fine. I guess having rationality around your children is just not something practical for me. I cannot believe that I am the one saying that you need to be more rational. (laughs) For all intents and purposes, our rules are so crazy reversed in this conversation because I, I just have a much more like chill I can't I seriously can't believe I'm saying this I have a much more chill approach and I have the luxury of having a a kid like twice the age of your oldest one and and so I I'm certainly like acknowledging that but I I think that a lot of that independence that I like treasure in my kid is because I've been miraculously able to keep like my other (laughs) my other anxieties in check when it comes to like giving him the like freedom to have new experiences no it's fine i i think it's interesting that i'm not and i'm not saying you're in like a a neglectful mother or you know (laughs) 
you only care about yourself and like oh, just go on vacation by you know off without her child for weeks at a time i'm not saying that i'm not implying that thank you it's like you know you you don't care what he's doing as long uh-huh. as you're not getting called by the police or... are you done now I'm, I'm just i just want to make it clear that that's not what i'm that's saying that's not what you're saying no okay. i mean strongly implied but it's mm-hmm. not what i'm saying you're such a dick Whereas, like, I want to be, you know, home with my family and making sure they're being taken care of and nurtured and stuff like that. It's, it's like, just a different kind of... We just have different perspectives on things. It's we fine. also have very different family structures. That's, and so... It's true. You have to acknowledge that as well, Mr. I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's what it comes down to a lot for me, too. It's that, you know, we don't have the same sort of, like, go, you know, you were going to drop you off with your grandparents kind of, kind of thing. And where... I, we have a lot of situations where I've been um, more conditioned to allow for other people to take care of and watch the kids. Yeah. Mm. But at the same time, somebody gets taken off to uh, otherworldly dimension and is returned 20 years older. That sucks. God, it's like the fucking worst when that happens. Everybody's like all discombobulated because the time difference and all the weapons and fucking magic it's just man there's like no hope but to get back to that that scenario it's the hope it's the helplessness of being able to do anything about it sure like if you're being attacked by somebody somebody's breaking into your house or something like that there's at least the illusion of in the moment that there are actions that you can take that you know, you're protecting your family or a situation, something's happening. But if somebody's just gone and you don't know what happened, like that, yeah, that is that is just the worst case scenario. Well, and we also have like three strong examples of different ways that people cope or, you know, don't mm-hmm. in response to Mikey's disappearance. Like his his brother is the one who has the most hope, and his parents have both kind of shut down into very different ways so when he returns it, it's like there's there's absolutely nothing about the situation that is set up for success and and that would have been the case even if he returned the same age like the fact that he's older and a, an adult and like has had all of this life experience that nobody else can relate to is is actually beside the point his family has already been just fucked because he's been, like you said, he's been gone for a year and he just disappeared. There's no, you can't fight that. You, you can't, there's no illusion of trying to stop that. It's just helpless. Yep. And there's nothing you could have done either. So his, his very like naive, like pact that he made in order to get back to his family is is predicated on the no- notion that he's ha- he has a family to get back to, and and that family is like ceased to exist basically when he when he ceased to exist. So did so did his family. Mm-hmm. So even if he returned a year later and he was the same little boy, things are already never going to be the same, and that's that's a like there's a tragic undercurrent here that like I. I can't, it's not that it appeals to me because <laughs> it's super sad. Uh, but, but that, I guess that, like, that, that wish that you could make things the way that they were amongst family members, but knowing that you never 
can is is something I think kind of sadly a lot of people can relate to. Yeah, it's called regret. Is it though? Because it's 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 nobody's fault. You could still regret for how things happened. Yeah. It's nobody's I, fault, but every time every situation like that, you can look at it and be like, if I had just walked outside and called their name, they'd be here. Okay. Even though that even though there was nothing to, you know, make that happen. It's just it's just the the infinite number of possibilities and how things can change in every situation, you know, we can't help but play that back. That's like the curse of memory. I guess. I guess. And the 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 twisting of the memory is what makes it I guess a little bit more painful because everybody's everybody is playing it back, right? Everybody is experiencing the memory and and everybody has various types of regret, but like the the actual reality and the memory of the reality are not the same. It's like like eyewitness accounts, right? They're sort of inherently oh, yeah. flawed. Of course, right. So, our memory is is not it's not a, an imprint of what actually happens. It's our right. perception of what happens, which is right. clouded by a million different factors. Yeah. So I think it's a very um, like compelling set of parameters for then like shoving all the people back together. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, because it's everyone's trying to reconcile their feelings and their memories with what this current, you know, the present reality is, and mm-hmm. it will not not align. Not to mention, like, we've got the whole, like, evil possession thing happening, which sure. is such a bummer. Yeah, it's not fun for anyone. <laughs> you you want to talk about our next book? Yes, absolutely. All right, let's do that. My second favorite series right now is Harbinger, coming out of Valiant Comics. It's a gritty, modern realization uh, that's almost a direct descendant from X-Men and the New Mutants. So if you like any of those titles, it's worth checking out. Also, uh, one of the characters in that series, Faith Herbert, a.k.a. Zephyr, uh, is the ultimate fangirl superhero woman that people need to pay attention to. Though the series is definitely not all-ages-friendly, um, her character has similar similarities that aren't unlike Kamala Khan's, and she's awesome. Our second book this week is Saga Number 27 by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. Lettering and design are by Phonographics. Saga is published by Image Comics. I refuse to recap this book. If you're not reading it or if you're behind, shut off the damn podcast and go catch up. Seriously, it's been three years. You can do better. Aliens, spaceships, yada, 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 kids, yada, yada, yada. Like, there's no yada, yada. Just fucking read the book. <laughs> like, it's 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 stupid to me to try to recap, first of all, 27 issues of something. And second of all, we're, we're talking about Saga. I think pretty consistently named the top or in the top three best comics, like, ever, ever, ever. So... See, but, but, okay. But the current... What I like about this like this is a much different situation than the previous book well, in terms of family certainly. certainly yeah but has lots of opportunity for regret and miscommunication and misperception and trying to recapture what you thought you had but it turns out you didn't have like yeah this is all of those the, themes are the re- still present this is this is weird to say but this is much more um i think a much more common scenario <laughs> scenario in family situations? Hmm. 
Uh, I'm going to need you to elaborate on like that one. <laughs> broken families trying to reconcile as opposed to broken by the loss of a child. Okay. But there's still a physical separation here. Sure. Like Marco is, is like accidentally not with his family. I, how do I say that? Like he was removed from the, the house because of his actions, but like not removed from them with the permanency that he's now experiencing. Right. But you know, that's sometimes that's the consequence when you leave the house and, and separate from the family, you don't always have the opportunity to come back to it. And that's what you think is more realistic? Yeah, I think that these are, even though it's dealing with spaceships and aliens and all kinds of stuff and war and that sort of thing, it, there's still a, a realistic aspect to the family dynamic that happens often enough that is relatable. Okay. Okay. You disagree? I, I'm not sure. I think, I think that the struggle of redemption is more realistic but part of that is just that there hasn't been the same kind of time lapse that you have in birthright Mm -hmm. so we know from the like narrative device of of hazel kind of filling us in that it's going to take years for them to get back together and when i say get back together i don't mean necessarily that Alana and Marco are going to be like together together but just that it's going to be a long process before he sees his daughter again we have no idea what's going to happen in between but it's not the same kind of helplessness mixed with like lack of of knowing that you have in birthright like in some ways it's it's more akin to your like you know, break in in your house. Like, there's something to fight against and something to fight for in in Saga that, that kind of, it, like, gives Marco a mission. It's super tragic. It absolutely sucks. And it is kind of built around a series of miscommunications and, and just, like, like, bummer scenarios for them that has... It's like plagued them from the very beginning, right? That, that's the point. But he still has something to fight against. And I think that that's what's important. Like he, I don't know, he, he can have, even falsely, he can have more hope than like Mikey's parents could have after his disappearance. Does that make sense? Oh, for, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Because okay. it's the situation is... There are still op- options, right? You know, there, right. there, there's a scenario playing out. It's not you're not cut off without any information, and you're just left helpless, right? right. You know, it's it's an it, there's an adventure to it. I mean, the reality in like most situations is, yeah, whatever. Dad leaves the house. He's kicked out of the house by mom. He lives in a one room economy apartment in his underwear and gets to see the kids um, every other weekend or something. God, that's awful. That's that's less of a thing to fight for or against than the situation that you just created. Like that, that 
Blah. I don't. I don't like. You, it. you don't. You want to read. You don't want to read that story. You don't want to see that musical. I. I don't want to read that story because. That has less hope. I guess. What's wrong with sitting around in your underwear? Well, not wearing pants is something I think we can all get behind. But, but seriously, like, there that the ambivalence in what you just just presented is like. I I'm don't a know. Pr- I'm a pragmatist. You are you are. you are a hopeless romantic. I am. I think that's um that says a lot about us. Except for when it comes to raising our children, in which case you're the spaz and I'm the one who's super chill. I, I'm look, I'm not saying that I care about more about my children than you do. I'm I'm not saying that. I'm not you... saying that I want to protect my family and <laughs> and care for care for my offspring more than you do. I'm not this is not what I'm saying. How many times in one episode can I ask you if you're done? <laughs> Until we finish, I guess. We'll <laughs> keep a count, which I think we're pretty close to. Do you think that Alana overreacted? I mean, for uh, drug addicts usually have strong emotional reactions. Okay. So, is that a yes? Um, I think it's one of those things in the moment, it, it all makes sense. Especially people have heated arguments and there's pride involved and, you know, all kinds of stuff that after your emotions have cooled down and their separation, you realize that, you know, everyone's being dumb in some way and things were said that aren't meant and the situation is far different than it is at the time it takes place. So we're back again to that, uh, like, reality and perception of reality are not the same? Well, especially... Emotion clouds everything. <clears throat> and so do drugs. Yeah, sure. Right. Well, in some scenarios, drugs <laughs> pull back the veil of the cloud, clouds of emotion. At least, you know, in this issue. Yeah. And it, it sort of boils things down to, like, right or wrong, yes or no, black or white. Like, it, I think that there was... A, there was clarity that Marco found. Whether that clarity and reality are the same is not what I'm saying. But he found a direction as a result of his, like, overdose experience. Yeah, which is also a nice storytelling device. I don't think there's... I personally have never had anything in that reality. Like, when you're high, you might think you figured it all out. When you once you're sober again, you realize you're just high. Have you ever been high? Yeah. Really? I've, I've been into drugs all kinds of ways. No, for real. Answer the question. I'll edit it out if you want me to. No, I don't care. Have you? Been high? Yes. Yeah, of course. On what? Um, I don't know. <clears throat> In high school, you smoked a bunch of pot and dropped acid and did mushrooms. Wait, you did? Yeah. Why have we never talked about this? I thought that you were like 100% against all of that. Not when I was 17 and 18. Okay, but like now you are. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, because you have kids and you care about them. Yeah, daddy just likes to drink. Right. Got it. Okay, fair enough. But that's different. That's legal. (laughs) So is weed. Mm, Not till July. Not in order. (laughs) You're in the wrong state, my friend. Nah, it's all right. I don't... Yeah, I don't really... I'm too old for pot. Got it. So, you're saying that, like, the clarity 
that he finds is like false clarity. No, I think in this situation it is, but that's for the story. I'm saying in in reality, people might claim to have these eye-opening experiences and really like understand the universe and wow man really open the you know the doors of perception for me um mm. and maybe there's an aspect to that but really you're just you're just high <laughs> <laughs> but it, it gives him focus and i think that that's that's yeah what yeah he it, needs. in terms of this the story absolutely you know yeah. it's it's one of those a, a compelling story versus what actually happens but it's also the exact same kind of um, like muddy relationship. Uh, like one person sees it one way, one person sees it the other way kind of situation that you have in in Birthright and like oh, also life. Right? Like he has a lot of guilt about what he did to Alana. And I think that like, speaking of reconciling, like, I think there's a part of that realization after his overdose that that he's, like, still struggling with whether or not he deserves to be separated from them the way that, that he does. And, like, like, he was kind of wallowing in it. And now, now he has focus, and now he can fight for it back, but he had to, like, work through that guilt. Does that make sense? Sure. I don't know. But a lot of that guilt was tied not to the situations that happened that happened between him and Alana. It happened to things in his. It was because of things in his past. Right. Right. So, but I think you know it's a matter of reconciling your past and your emotional, your emotional hangups from that versus what the actual situation is. You know that's what it comes back down to. Uh, reality being tainted by experience. Mm-hmm. Screws up the family. They have built their entire relationship around drama. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Hey. Uh, you, you don't think there are couples that stay together because of the drama that they they uh, generate with each other? Gosh, I, I love when you, like, subtext at me. It's my favorite <laughs> thing. Look, I'm not, I'm not saying that you raise your child to, you know. <laughs> Only seek out relationships that are going to be filled with drama and turmoil. I'm not saying that. You're not. You're not saying that. Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate you not saying that. I'm showing a lot of restraint in this episode. Are you? It's hard for me to see that, as a matter of fact. Oh, I'm not saying you're not perceptive <laughs> or somebody who listens well. I'm not. I'm not saying that. All right. Have we had enough of this? Uh, I think so. I, I'm trying to think if there was, if there was anything else from, from Saga specifically that I wanted to point out. It's just so, I, I'm going to say dense, but I don't mean that in a negative way. It's, uh, it's very emotional. It is emotional, but it's emotional because, because those, those opportunities for, correction and those missed opportunities and like that loss and that hopelessness and that clarity like it's all kind of happening at like one overwhelming wave after another and I I I think that 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 is something that 
you know, despite the space and the aliens, as you pointed out, <laughs> despite the the non-human characters, despite the, like, magic. I mean, just like Birthright, there are some, like, fundamental, like, human struggles here that, that we all, that we can all relate to. I'm not saying that it's about, like, bad relationships or raising your kids in one way versus another. I think that there are, like, so many facets to what we've seen across like all of the different characters that you know that makes it a very dense and emotional experience that's all i will agree with you on that i'm glad we agree on something as well as no pants are better than pants yeah always so at least we, f- we figured out a couple of things this week that's why i wear skirts sure <laughs> yeah that'll be illegal in july too what boys wearing skirts mm-hmm. it's totally illegal right now kid is it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Great. Looks like I got some shopping to do. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. Well, maybe we'll do this again next week? I think we'll definitely do this again next week. Okay. Oh, are you taking the weekend off because you're going to go like play with comics or whatever? Um, sure. I'm sure we could figure that out, though. I would, I would enjoy that. I do like talking to you about comics, Aaron Myers. Great. I, I like talking to you about comics, too. I even like it when you insult me the entire time. Because uh, I know that you do it because you care. I'm not saying that I enjoy the insults. I'm just saying that I know, deep down, it's it's not because you hate me. If I... The, the opposite of hate is indifference. <laughs> so if I didn't care, I wouldn't make fun. Ah. Uh. Fair enough, I All right. Guess. Let's button this one up. Okay. My favorite past series to recommend, I'd have to go with Mark Waid's Irredeemable. Imagine if Superman didn't grow up in the loving, nurturing environment that Ma and Pa Kent provided in Kansas. What if it was kind of abusive, unsupportive, and cold? What would that man end up becoming like? Um... There's an ultimate Elseworld story that was published by Boom Studios, and uh, it's irredeemable. And one series that I stumbled upon that effectively got me back into comics. Uh, if you've ever been into Elseworlds or what-if stories, I'd say check it out. And then check out the spinoff series, um, in- Incorruptible. And there's a digital thrill band series called Insufferable by Mark Wade as well. I think Mark Wade should write a Princess Bride spinoff called Inconceivable! That's a joke, but hey, comics, right? Don't forget to subscribe to your comics at your local shop or digitally. All the information you need about this show, including show notes and everything else, is on the website comicstherapy.com. We will see you next week. Goodbye. Waiting, watching the clock, it's four o'clock, it's got to stop telling take no more she practices her speech as he opens the door she rolls over pretends to sleep as he looks her